This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 298, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy listeners like you. After that confrontation, you left me ringing my hands. We shared some information I'd not recover from. And I watch your convictions, the black ice cubes in ocean. So poorly cast as a malcontent. Hey, welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 298. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello, Josh. Hello, Ron. And Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. 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 At iFanboy.com, we like to say hello and comics. We read the comics, and then one of us. Uh, gets the job of picking the one that they that is their favorite, the one they like best. They call that the pick of the week. Write about it up on the website, and then we come here. We talk about that. We talk about the other comics from the week and some other ephemera, some other things, some stuff we like to engage in some badinage about. Uh, before we get going, there will be spoilers, my friends, about the stuff that happens in the book because it would not be fun to talk about them without mentioning that stuff because you can't make jokes about sort of stuff that isn't real. The uh, thing that might have happened was funny. That, you know that thing with the, right? Middle management? Uh, things. Uh, stuff. So if you haven't read your books, come back later. 
and then listen to it then because I think I think it'll be more fulfilling, more satisfying, a full calorie meal as it were. And then at the end, we're going to talk uh, a little bit more about we're going to tell you a little bit more about the the week and the site. If you've been to ifanboy.com, you know what we're long talking week. about. Good week. It's a brand new brand new world on ifanboy.com. It's a so brand we brand new day. We thought we'd check back in a week later and talk to, and and chat a little about it. Answer you know address some things that sort of thing. We're, we're going to label it ifanboy and you right? Yeah. That's that's a good idea. That would be that. Ron, pick yes. of the week. Yes. So pick of the week this week. I went with Flashpoint: The Outsider, number three, and I was as shocked as you were. <laughs> that was a head scratcher. Was I mean, it? Not because the book's not good. I, we've been we've been talking about this book the whole time. Yeah. It's a great book, but it just wasn't what I expected to see when I loaded up the new iFanboy.com. Sure. And, and right there on the right set, right hand side of the page. Uh, yeah, <laughs> of the new website. Yeah. Um, and the thing, the thing is that, like, you know, I, I got through my whole stack, and, and we're going to talk about some more books in a little bit, and not to discount from any of them, because there were some very, it was a solid, solid week. It was, there were some, you know, very good to excellent books in my stack. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> were you disagreeing with that, or? It was like a, it was like, it was like a good week. It was did, like, you said, you said you did a bunch of fours. That's yeah, very it's good. Like a, it's like a classroom full of B students. It's well, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, like very good, yeah. But there was nothing... VG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there were a lot right. of very good books. Yeah, that's I have good. high standards. Right, you anyway. Want. But as I was, as I was uh, reading The Outsider number three, and I was kind of reflecting back on the summer and reflecting back on Flashpoint, and I realized that, like, by the end... Here we are, as summer is coming, we're closer to Labor Day, we're winding down... Probably one of my favorite books, the books that I look for- most forward to, has been this miniseries. Um, it's been out of nowhere. Yeah, totally out of nowhere. Uh, James Robinson and, and Javi Fernandez with covers by Kevin Nolan. And and I went through on my review on ifanboy.com, which you can find on the right side of the homepage now, and it'll click through to the whole Pick of the Week review in a very nice new template. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, if we're going to do this, though, we have to really overdo it. Let's overdo it the whole show. So, All right, that's fine. I'm just letting everyone know that's what's about to happen. <laughs> so if you read that, and then if you left a comment lower, anyway, so... Um, <laughs> I was, you know, kind of reflecting back on Flashpoint and went through the whole kind of cycles of opinions that that I feel as if the general populace went through Flashpoint, which is Flashpoint got announced and it was like, oh, another event, and I got to buy all these damn, you know, miniseries, and it's like almost like the same script that we've read, whether it's Flashpoint or Fear itself or you know, or Green Lantern or Civil War, or whatever, whatever it is, it's always the same kind of like moan and groaning. And then that went on for like the first month, and we read all the Flashpoint books, and then the DC reboot news hit, and Flashpoint then became this kind of thing where, A, it kind of got forgotten about, and, and a lot of people were like, well, I don't need to read it because it doesn't matter, and that, that, that was like July, right? But now I felt as if in August it was like as we're coming to the end of it, it was like, all right, well, clearly, clearly they're going to be pulling in some stuff from Flashpoint into the new world of DC Universe from what we could tell, from what we see in things like Frankenstein, things like that, and fucked if I know what they're going to do. And as I was as I was reading The Outsider, when I finished the issue number three, I'm like, man, I really hope this character survives Flashpoint and makes it. They find a place for him in the in the new DC universe because this has been nothing but enjoyable to read. What James Robinson and Javi Fernandez have done with this miniseries, as I kind of put it, they pretty much showed this is how you do a successful event tie-in miniseries book. One of the key things was the creative team stayed consistent throughout all three issues, so you didn't have that. You know, you buy the first issue and it's a different artist in the second issue. That disconnect that can happen. Happen. Furthermore, it was a it was a character study of of the outsider while doing it in the context of Flashpoint. So every now and then there were hooks and little moments that that were shared within the main Flashpoint book, but it wasn't so much that it was dependent on Flashpoint. And it was just the right balance between character development, story, conflict, you know, told a complete story, and then also playing in the in the greater Flashpoint pool and and ultimately with this ending in a point where, okay, great, now I want to read the next Flashpoint to see what The Outsider does in that book, and ultimately making me want more of this character. This uh, might be the most deftly written thing that he's done since Starman. Wow, that's that's because, And I'm not yeah. saying it's as good as Starman, but right. it's, de- it's very deft in the way he handles everything you just talked about. Yeah, It's very elegant. It's a, it's a character piece introducing a new character, one of the best new characters I've read in a long time. Yeah. And it stays within the Flashpoint story, but it's definitely on its own. The, the Flashpoint tie-ins, which is basically the conversations he has through the, you know, the, the hologram thing yep. with, with Cyborg, happen mostly in the background. Yep. They don't affect the story. You, still, you, never feel like you're, you never feel like it's hammered in like the end of Batman did. Exactly. And, and that was the one. And I'm prepared to say, this, since this one stuck the landing and Batman didn't, this was the best Flashpoint 
miniseries. Yeah, uh, hands down, I will give it to this is the best Flashpoint miniseries because, yeah. like you said, it stuck the landing. It it succeeded where Batman failed in that it tied back into a it tied back into a certain point in a good way, in a way that made sense. It didn't feel tacked on. It like faded in. And then what was awesome, what was also awesome in this individual issue, we get a great issue of the Outsider facing off against the Flashpoint Martian Manhunter. And, it was terrifying. Which was horrifying, which was like yeah. we got a glimpse of what uh, Martian Manhunter would look like as a villain. And I thought it was a great combination of talking head, flashback, justification, followed with action and a good fight scene. Like it had it had everything you want out of a good comic book. Story-wise, we find out that the outsider had stole the the doctor who figured the scientist who figured out how to bring Martian Manhunter to Earth. He found that doctor and stole the technology and he brought Martian Manhunter to Earth. Kept him in, kept him imprisoned, and then ultimately sold him to the Russians, who tortured him. Yeah, which is awesome because the Russians yeah. wanted a Superman-like, you know, kind of character, and they tortured him. He eventually overcame his fear of fire, which was awesome, and escaped from the Russians, and then was just a matter of getting working his way towards getting back at the Outsider. And what I thought was great, and here's the Flashpoint tie-in, was that one of the sides of the Flashpoint conflict, either Aquaman or Wonder Woman, came to Martian Manhunter and offered to pay him to take out the Outsider. And right. so it ties into the greater story. We still don't know who it was. It provides motivation for the Outsider to get involved in the conflict, and it ultimately gave us this great fight where the Martian Manhunter and the Outsider duke it out, and the Outsider ultimately wins. And what I thought was great in a way that it was a nod to DC and its legacy, the Outsider had adapted the technology that the scientists used to bring the Martian Manhunter back and created a little mini portal to different dimensions. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yep. he goes, can you imagine there's such a thing? In fact, there are 52 of them. And like in Flashpoint, it's the first acknowledgement of the multiverse. And right. you know, so I thought that was, a, that was a clever little way to do it, which wasn't like eye rolling or wasn't, you know, like it was, it was just well done. Well, well done. I hope, I, I mean, there's no indication he will be, but I hope we see more of him in the new DCU because this character is fascinating. Yes. He, he's like Lex Luthor, but way more scary. Yep. Because he's a, he's a super rich businessman. He's, he's, he's first of all he's Indian, which is makes him unique in the in the world of comics. Not in the other Indian characters, but, but there's not a lot of them. And so he's definitely interesting in that sense. But he's also a w- wealthy businessman who all c- who can fight, but doesn't like to fight, and really prefers to destroy you financially or or through his business. And he's very 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 evil, but also just very interesting. I mean, he's he's essentially a good guy, but he's 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 not. Yeah, my, 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 I thought the best example of it was so he's got the Martian Manhunter trapped. Half of his body is in another dimension. His other half of his body is in front of the Outsider, and he's asking him. He's like, "Tell me who who hired you?" And Martian Manhunter doesn't, and so Outsider goes, "All right, I don't ask twice," and closes the portal and cuts Martian Manhunter in half and kills him. Like yeah. just very cold, calculating, like that kind of you know, almost you know, like mafia type. You know, like mafia with with their shit together, not all addled with the drugs, you know, but um, (laughs) uh, and it ended in a way where I was just like, man, when I finish this, I'm like, I do not want to see this character go away. I want him to survive, which is a it's just a I think a a great accomplishment. I really do think it's one of the best things Robinson has written in in a long time. Yeah, totally. This this miniseries. I remember we we bought all the first ones, me and Ron. Yep. Just to try it. I mean, and I would not have expected if you give me all the books ahead of time. That the outsider would have been the best one, but I think it absolutely was the unlikeliest, unlikeliest one. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it was great. So Flashpoint: The Outsider number three. It was two ninety nine. The whole three issue miniseries would end up being nine bucks. I got my money's worth. Great Kevin Nolan covers. Great R- Javi Fernandez. I'd never heard of before, and now he's somebody on my radar. I want to see what he does next. I'm yep. a little upset. Why? Well, because here's the thing. We talked about this the first issue, maybe the second. I'm not sure. I thought, oh, that sounds really good. I got to remember to pick that up. Then I never thought about it again. Yep. And then uh, this week, I was in the shop, and I looked over, and I saw it, and I thought, all right, that book. I'm going to get the two issues before it, and then I'm going to pick that up. And I guess I should have done it then. Yeah. Because now, I'm just going to be some following poser. Yep. Well, well, there you go. Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Go, uh, go back in your comic stores, back issue bins, and pick it up. It just, it was a fun read and I, tied in really nicely. And yeah, and ultimately, I'm sure it's there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is no, this is not a comment on the book. No. Nope. So, it's a market. Exactly. You know. Now, Ron, everyone was probably wondering why Daredevil number two from Mark Wade and Paolo Rivera wasn't the pick of the week. Well, and and here's the thing is because it, don't get me wrong, Daredevil number two, I I gave a five. It was as perfect as the first issue, and quite honestly, I don't. I just would have rewritten Josh's review from last month. I mean, like it was, you know, like it was, it it was great. And and we've had problems with that in the past. I know. <laughs> I know. But it was it was uh, just I mean, it's showing that the first issue wasn't a flash in the pan. 
I love the fight between Cap and Daredevil. I thought that was amazing. I love that they switched weapons. Yes, that was so cool. And mm-hmm. Daredevil doing a handstand on the shield oh, was great. And, and the little comment about complimenting Cap on the shield, saying it's a thing of beauty. The high line, the scene on the high line, which was cool. Yeah, I mean, it was it, not, you know, it's nice to see Mark Wade writing Cap again. Yeah. You know, I didn't really think about that until afterwards, but he wrote that great Cap run. He hasn't he really written that much. But this was, yeah. this was fantastic. And this, this book so far, wow. I mean, from... You don't, you don't often get these new books where just everything is clicking perfectly. It's, it's, is, it really is. It really is. This is the spark of life over at Marvel right now. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I mean that in I – I can't think about anything else I, I'm excited about at Marvel right now. I'm very, I'm very down on Marvel at the moment in that fear itself is going on and I'm basically ignoring it at this point. And then there's – you know everything is tied into that, all the other stuff. And other than a few little titles here and there, like, but this is one that's – like oh yeah, it, no. It, I mean, the high points of took, Mar- the it, high points it, of Marvel right now are clearly Daredevil and the X Men books. I mean, those that's where it's at right now. Yeah. It took you know a book that, I mean, honestly, it was kind of ground down into the ground. Yeah, like we like we a little I had a little bit left it for dead. I was like, all right, I enjoyed it, but I guess that time has passed, and now he's a demon ninja <laughs> guy, and I don't you know not for me. That's fine, but now it's 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 a uh, it's a whole new thing. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of it's fun. It's a true breath of fresh air. It really is. It really is. is. The definition of it. And, and again, it shows, we talk about this all the time, but this is happening in a mainstream book, how good Mark Wade is. Yep. He is yeah. a fantastic, pure superhero. And, and the, thing is, the thing is, I hear, you know, I've heard some criticism of him being too kind of silver agey and like too kind of, you know, but like I feel yeah. as if he's the perfect the perfect mix. yeah mix, like nod to the past nod of where we've come but also writing in a today's voice and in a in a you know in a modern kind of with a modern sensibility i think that and it it comes out here better than any, I think anything in a while because really uh, before this the best thing Wade's been doing is, for the past couple of years has been Irredeemable which had that grim and gritty darker kind of you know like over the, like but this brings out the swashbuckling aspect brings out the positivity brings out the because Wade is a positive guy I mean if you yep. saw our, our video interviews with him at various cons I mean he's a pretty happy guy usually uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say like when I turned the page and I saw a bunch of weird claw. I was like, all oh, oh, right, that was awesome. Let's do I, love, this. I love Claw. Claw's, <laughs> Claw's great. Yeah, I was, um, I was ready. But the thing is, the, the the thing about Claw is, it doesn't work in that reality-based grim. Like it's stupid. Then yeah. So you have to have a little of that, whatever that Silver Age magic is, to pull that off. Yep. And that's what's here, and that's why it's fun. So the big question, though, from this issue happened in the scene between Foggy and the new ADA. And now she had his tie. Yeah, yeah. Hey, oh, yeah, Foggy. They're, they're fucking. You guys thought that th- that she was going to be hooking up with Matt. No. But she's hooking up with the Fogster. Wade went one way and you went the other. And what's even better is that if you open up to that page when Foggy's looking for his tie and he's emptying the um, garbage can, do you notice that he has a mannequin head with a fedora and sunglasses on it? Foggy just got way cooler in my book as far as I'm oh, yeah. concerned. <laughs> he wears, he's, got, he's got a thing for his hat. Yeah. He's, a, well, he's also in a ska band. <laughs> um... We're not talking enough about Paolo Rivera. Oh, so good, so good. Who, you know the whole the big the big thing was Marcos Martinez was going to be working on this book, and Paolo Rivera became an afterthought. No one talked about Paolo Rivera. Yep. yep. But I don't even need Marcos Martinez to come on the book. Yeah. Paolo Rivera is fantastic, and I've always liked his stuff. He did Spider-Man stuff with Marcos Martinez. They have a very similar style, so they trade off. Do you know who's inking him? But God, he's good. He inks himself. No, his father. Oh, Joe Rivera. His father's inking him. His father's inking him. Yeah. How cool is Dad. that? Dad. How cool is that? You did the blacks too heavy again. <laughs> um, oh. no, I mean, everything, the whole, the action sequence with Cap was just, was great. was fantastic. I love Cap's canteen. Yes. His belt. I noted that in the best week of panels, which you could find on the new website. Yeah, I saw that on the website. You got it on the homepage, and then it went to the new page. Yeah. Um, oh, look at the canteen real big. It, um, <laughs> really, really good instructions about how to use the site there, Ron. <laughs> go to the homepage, then you go to the page. It's you been a long week. It's been a long week. You know, Palo Rara has been great. Everything from the quiet, you know, the, the, the conversations with the lawyers and things like that, like to, you know, all the way down to the, the claw guys looked awesome. Uh, it's just it's great. Great. It's a great issue. It's, it was a, it's, uh, and they're continuing. This is really the beginning of something special. Hope so. Hope so, too. We are beaten. So um, <laughs> We need to really work on this ska band Foggy Nelson. I, I'm with you there. there. He said, look at that hat and the sunglasses. Get him up, get him up, get him up. If there's a saxophone, then, he's, then you're set, or, or a horn. <laughs> just, just keep him around. It'll, it'll come back. X-Men Schism number three, pretty much, as far as I can tell at least, now we see the pivotal moment that is the... 
moment between Cyclops and Wolverine that is going to come down to the split. Yeah, um, but I thought it should have been hit a little harder. I thought yeah. basically in this, the new Hellfire Club was attacked, the X-Men and Wolverine and Cyclops are not there. They're running to running, which I thought was a great setup that and was, a great sort of tension device where Wolverine and Cyclops both running to the scene in different ways from yep. different directions. And will they get there in time to help? And the whole crux of the matter is that Wolverine's latest protege is stuck there and she's told to is it detonate the bomb or well, she's no, her no, powers with these guys. So the Hellfire Club is they've taken the X-Men, they've taken the X they've taken them down, they've taken them hostage, they've got other hostages in the museum. Um, everybody everybody else has escaped except ID from Generation Hope, whose power is she can has fire and ice, like she can do both. Mm-hmm. Um, she was hiding, and so she um, telepathically gets in touch with, with Cyclops and says, I'm here, what should I do? And Wolverine is there, and the telepa- the cuckoos are connecting everybody telepathically, and Wolverine's going, no, get out, get out, I'm almost there, go do it. And she's like, Cyclops, what do I do? Because Cyclops is the leader. She's like, Cyclops, what should I do? And there's this quiet moment, and Wolverine is yelling at Scott, get her out of there, get her out of there, because the whole thing about Wolverine is that even the- Wolverine's trying to position himself as he does what he does the dirty stuff that nobody else will do. Like he's the guy. Like if somebody needs to get killed, somebody needs to die. Wolverine will do the killing. I don't want to have to. He's trying to protect these the kids. You know whether it's Kitty or Jubilee or now it's Idy. And so ultimately Cyclops is on his way and he just says to Idy, he says, "You do what you feel you have to," which kind of gives her a pass, saying you can leave or you can fight. Uh, it's whatever you want to do. And Idy chooses to fight and she ends up killing about ten Hellfire Club guys. And so now Wolverine's pissed because she shouldn't have been in that position. And Wolverine said, "I, you know, should have left that to me." And of course, Cyclops points out, "You were in a bar drinking. You weren't there." Like it's a really interesting conflict. Yeah, um, I don't think it was. I don't think it's enough to split them up. I think she should have died in the fight. And then, interesting. Then I would have bought the fact that they would have split over this. I mean, well, we're not, it's not I mean, over yet. It's not over. No, no, it's not over yet. And yeah. more could happen. But if this is the crux of it, I don't feel like it's enough to split them up. Well, now you didn't. You didn't read through. Generation Hope number ten, did you? No. Okay, yeah, because because Generation Hope number ten, written by Kieran Gillen with art by Tim Seeley, it gives more background to ID and like what happened, how why she was in the museum, how she got there, and then a little bit of the aftermath, and that provided the weight. Like it, it like it's at the end. It's after everything happened and all the authorities are there, and she's wrapped in the blanket, and she's just kind of like kind of zoned out and the other generation hope kids are there and they're asking her if she's okay and she's like i'm fine she's like but is there anyone else i have to kill because if not i'd like to go to sleep now and you could tell she's fucked up mm-hmm. and so like there's a little more weight if you read that book but you did again you didn't have to you know but i i did read it and i felt that weight but yeah but it was i mean it was a great issue and i agree with you that the wolverine cyclops trying to get there was that i yes. that was like on the edge of the edge of the page every page i was like oh. i love the uh, kuna art i know we, we differ on that oh no no i'm on board with kuna i'm on i love it i'm totally, come around totally i've totally come around it's fantastic it's we absolutely should, absolutely fantastic and it's this too bad he's amazing. going to avengers because he he should draw the x-men all the time yeah uh, i don't know about all the time but this I, I would like him as in the wolverine book I really liked them as Wolverine. No, but I, this was, I mean, it was, it, was, it was great. It was, I mean, it's continuing the energy of this event, and I just can't wait to see where it goes from here. Because I didn't see this coming. And um, Wolverine running across San Francisco was, it was great. I can't say enough good things about it. Now, it Captain America 2, I don't know, this series is, I'm enjoying it, but it's not what I wanted. <laughs> Which is a far cry from where you were last week on this. No, I love the first month. issue, but I think the second issue really drives home this. I don't, I don't need Cap fighting supernatural stuff. I don't need giant Captain Americas. I don't need dream I'm, things. People in or, dreams. Yeah. I'm torn. I know exactly what you're saying, and you know how I feel about dream sequences. So when you put a bunch of surreal, wacky stuff in, it's really easy to do like a quick hit of like fan expectations. You're like, Captain America and a dinosaur! But... That doesn't really do it for me. Now, at the same time, this is far and away the best Steve McNiven I've seen in as long as I can remember. And when you look at sort of them dropping out of the plane, the helicopters, whatever yep. that was, mm-hmm. yep. you know, and, and, and just sort of the mechanics of him taking down a bunch of bad guys. That one page with the, with the four circle panels? Yeah. When he jumps through the window and, yeah, that, that page, I, I like had to stop and look at that. I was like, wow, that's a good page. Well, I love the way that he draws Captain America and Steve yep. Rogers. It's great. I like hard-ass Dum Dum Dugan in this a lot. Yeah. Oh, the, the knife uh, the guy, yeah. Yeah, so all that stuff's fun. But, yeah, I think that you nailed the, what, what seems to be lacking is this, this dreamscape character guy that I just don't really quite care about. I mean, I, I'm enjoying the story. It's just I'm not as yeah. excited for it as I thought I would be, which, which is why I think I like Captain America and Bucky more because that's the cap, kind of cap story yeah. I want to be. Well, yeah, no, I, and I, I, I totally, oh, man, this is so gorgeous, though. I mean, it's really... Yeah. Really good. I mean, it's, we're not talking about like fear itself levels of disparity at all, but 
man, this is this is some good looking comic book. It really, I mean, like the the action sequences particularly were just great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just got to the helicopter page. I see. What you mean. Oh, that was yeah. great. Yeah. There's even oh. a panel that outlines the body of one of the characters, which was really interesting. Yeah. Yep. He's doing a lot of cool layout stuff. The, the layout stuff, are, to me, is the, the high point of it. And it's funny because then you get to a page like when Steve and uh, Sharon are, are in bed <laughs> and it's just a simple six-panel rectangle. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, that's kind of boring. I, I, know, well, no, you know, the, I noticed, the, look at the composition on sort of the last two panels of it. And I was yeah. like, you know, it's very simple, but man, that looks good. But when, Also, they have really high ceilings for Brooklyn. <laughs> well, they're, they're loft, loft. Yeah, they're in a loft, yeah. yeah. But... um. Uh, but then also what I thought was interesting was that so they, they go to bed and it's square panels and then it goes into Sharon's dreamscape sequence and it goes to rounded panel rounded corners which I thought was a nice little subtle touch that okay this isn't the reality this is a dream like that's you know and then when she wakes up it's back to square you know so that was yeah but yeah. at the end of the day we're just watching Nightmare on Elm Street yeah pretty much you know here's what's happening in your dreams but it gets you in real life and yeah. I, just, I don't I don't know. you don't remember me Rogers no. <laughs> I've been dead. No, skip to the end. <laughs> Do you remember when during Blackest Night there was an issue of Starman and Josh was all annoyed because he missed his only chance ever to make Starman a pick of the week? Yes. I felt the same way with DC Retroactive, the 90s Batman. My only chance to make an Alan Grant, Norm Brayfogel Batman story, the pick of the week, which <laughs> for me as a kid, these guys did a lot of the Batman books I read in the late 80s, early 90s, and this was a seminal Batman team for me. Yeah. Uh, they did detective comics, they did Batman, they did the regular Batman comics, they did Shadow of the Bat, they did all the books that I was reading, and this was a really great return to that team, and Brave Vogel draws just as well as he did back then, and Alan Grant's stories always had a bit of horror element to them, which this one does, and the Ventura Quist was in it, who they don't ever use anymore, who was great. Didn't uh, Paul Dini kill him? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the backup story, which was the original comic this new story was a sequel to, was also fun. I mean, this was just... If you at all were a fan of that era of Batman, this was the stuff. And I love Brayfogel. The way he draws everyone's limbs like they're knives when they're fighting. They're, they get really skinny and sharp. It's just an evocative way of doing Batman that they don't really do anymore. I really thought his work was pretty advanced. Yes, for the time, yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm actually, he was actually, the, him and Alan Grant were the, Detective Comics was one of the first books I started buying. For some reason, I bought Detective instead of Batman back then, which is, I think mm-hmm. is interesting. And it was the Anarchy uh, arc. And remember that character? Yeah, Anarchy. Yeah, they love Anarchy. They created basically, it. Basically, yeah, basically a lot like V from V for Vendetta. Yes, basically he was. That's what he <laughs> a was. A lot like that character. But uh, I just remember, even as being a kid, just going, "This looks like this is nuts." Like, I wouldn't have. It looked like nothing it. else out there at the time. Yeah, and I um, still look back at it, and, and even more so in in contrast with everything else from the era. Like, that's crazy. And the storytelling is fantastic. And he's just he's really good at especially fight scenes are really well choreographed and really clean and clear. I would put him on a book now. Yeah. I mean, well he's on too, Archie. No, I I put him on a Batman book yeah, now, but he's yeah. I mean he's still out there, it's just not in the same sense he was back uh, before. But yeah. This was fantastic. iFanboy.com was made possible by Graphically, who is who's our, our our mother company, father company. What's the way to do that? I don't know. They are a digital comics giant, is what they are. Over four thousand digital comics from publishers like Marvel, Boom, Archaea, IDW, Dynamite. I, we could literally we could go on just trading publisher names. There are hundreds now at this point. A lot of people you know, and some that you don't, but you should is what I'm, I'm getting at. Apps are available for pretty much every device you can think of at this point. If you've got an iOS device or an Android device or any of the different tablets that are available, or you just want to read it on your computer on the, on the web, or, or you're still the Graphically app, the original, the, the one that, that made it all possible, the mother app. But you can read them however you want. You go to read it on the Nook, which is really cool. We're bringing out stuff there. From and, Barnes uh, & Noble. From Barnes & Noble. Yes, Barnes & Noble. And there'll be more available in the Nick, Nook in the future. <laughs> the Nick. Also Nick. We're going to be a Nickelodeon. That's not true, but that would be awesome. Uh, if you buy it on the app, then you can read it on any of the other things. So uh, while some things are not available on some things, you can just if you buy it on the app, you'll be all set. And there's going to be all sorts of new stuff coming from Graphically. Like we said, we're constantly bringing on new publishers. So make sure to follow uh, twitter.com slash graphically and stay on top of all that, as well as all the specials. We announced uh, Slave Labor Graphics is on board now. And I know we've got a pretty big one coming up, a pretty big announcement coming up the next couple of weeks. So definitely keep an eye out for that. I'm going to be catching my comics. No. Oh, all right. Yeah. They're publishing mine. Yeah. I don't know how that slipped through. Yeah. (laughs) So so supportive. (laughs) Go over. 
Go to graphically. Shut up. Uh, go over to graphically.com right now and you can find out more about it and read something new. There's all sorts of free stuff. So you can at least you do voice samples. <laughs> so Justice League of America number 60 was the last issue of Justice League of America before Jeff Johns and Jim Lee relaunched Justice League in the new DCU. Um, Who's been reading this? All have you been reading? I've, this I've been reading it all the way through. I have a complete run of wow. this, this this volume. <laughs> That was very careful. eBay. Uh, so now, what, now what's well, interesting though is so so this last issue was written by James Robinson, who we raved about for The Outsider, and it was drawn by somebody who I don't know who it is, Sampier, Daniel Sampier, Sampieri. Anyway, and just this keep pronouncing the name for like twenty minutes. Justice League Sam- of America has been a challenge over the past year or two because challenge is is, is generous. Yeah, have you been reading it or did, when did you? No, drop? I dropped it many many yeah, issues. Because ago. what happened was that Robinson was trying to do the the way of having every member be a narrator, and there were just too many boxes, too many words. Yes. For this last issue, though, he did a fantastic job because what he did was it's the ju- this incarnation of the Justice League is Batman, Dick Grayson, Supergirl, Starman, Michael. Kong Gorilla, Jesse Quick, Donna Troy, and Jade. And it's them on the satellite deciding to disband the team. And they proceed to reminisce about all the adventures we didn't read. (laughs) Cheap. Right? No, it's like, it's like, you get the sense that these are all the things Robinson wanted to do. They're like, oh, you mean like like during the Saturn Thanagar War? And there's a whole double page spread of them fighting uh, Hawkman people on Saturn and like. And it's stuff that happened that we didn't yeah. see. Not, not, and then, and then, cool. then Michael uh, has a injured arm, and they're saying, they're saying, "Oh, was your arm better? You did so, you did so well." And he, he says, "The battle for Gemworld. What a crazy, wonderful, deadly adventure!" And there's a page of that. <laughs> like, it's just oh, James Robinson got a little meta commentary with this issue. Yeah, he did. He really did. But what's even funnier is that at the end, basically, it, it culminates with Donna Troy saying that she wants to quit the superhero business. She wants to go be a, a photographer. Of which Jesse Quick then says, "Oh, I'm going to need your services," and steps out from the table to reveal she's pregnant. What? Um, uh, yeah, no one and she, noticed. And she's in. The, she'd, been, and she's, she'd been sitting there for eight months. And she's in the Jesse Quick costume, so she's got the little bikini bottom pants, and she's pregnant. And so like, this, like, I was like, oh, interesting. The particles. Those yeah. Are, how, but um, but what's interesting is that so at the very end, it, it, the last people shutting the lights off the satellite are Batman and, and Donna Troy, and Donna Troy's you know asking if they'll remember us. And and they're talking about whether or not the world will remember that version of JLA and all that we did. And then Donna goes, well, I don't want them to. I want them to forget me. I want to disappear. And Batman says, you know, try as you might. I guarantee not everyone is going to forget you. And Ouch. Like, and it's, more meta-commentary. Yeah, exactly. It's full of meta-commentary. It's, wow. <laughs> so it was a really good issue, but it was seething with meta-commentary. That's, that's, uh, that's what happens when the editors are all really busy. Yeah. <laughs> Connor, I might suggest you go pick this up. Just I think I need it. To. Yeah, I think you do. I think I need to. <laughs> that was good to see. But wow, um, fantastic. Uh, but then over, um, over at Uncanny X Men. Now, Connor, you're not reading Uncanny X Men five forty two. You're not reading this because of Greg Land, right? Right. Yep. Okay. Which I, I totally, just, I'm not, gonna, I'm not disputing that or anything. Yeah. This is the Fear itself tie-in, and I just want to give Kieran Gillen cr- credit for doing something that no X Men writer has done in years. Which is part of the issue is uh, the X Men trying to stop Juggernaut from getting to San Francisco because he's been possessed by the the thing, and so the Cyclops and the X Men have a series. They have you know basically plans that they're putting in place to try to stop him. And that Cyclops, Cyclops tells the mayor of San Francisco like, "Don't worry, we're on it. We, we've got a whole playbook." And they keep cutting back to it, and it's plan and the numbers like plan 13 plan 42 and it's combinations of mutants using their powers to help each other so like plan 33 was siren from x-factor using her power to fuel dazzler's light light power to stop them and that didn't work and then gambit uh gambit using his power to uh charge up rock slide to blow him up and that didn't work like it was the the teamwork aspect which we haven't seen i can't remember since the last time we saw that so kudos to kieran gillen for uh, being smart about the characters and their power sets and what they can do and ultimately it ends with colossus becoming the new juggernaut they go to iliana rescued and takes them to the, the satorak god and he claims that juggernaut is no longer his avatar and gives the gives the gem to colossus so now colossus is the juggernaut now so, no so one will he, be able to stop him. He yep. was already pretty unstoppable. Yeah. And that was a great scene, too, with Kitty yelling at him not to do it. And next issue, I think, is going to be it's Colossus the Juggernaut versus the Juggernaut Juggernaut. So in the final issue, this iteration of Batman, Batman 713, we got a story from Fabian Nicieza, which wraps up the whole thing, which was the device was Damien at Wayne Foundation's benefit for Quake survivors telling these three kids the story of Dick Grayson as Batman. And Is that have meta-commentary? Well, yeah, well, yes. Two things. <laughs> 
Two things I want to point out. One, it just irks the hell out of me when I realize it's been a long time, but some artists don't know how to draw the old original Robin costume. Yeah. Like I was like, I don't know why they're not given some sort of reference or said, here, just Google it or what. Or <laughs> it's out just, there. It's easy to find. Go, <laughs> I, I did, do not have a computer. <laughs> I don't know why the editor doesn't get a page and go, well, this is not how the costume looks, but they, it happens all of the time. Anyway, that's this, is your, this is your thing, man. Robin <laughs> costumes. Yes. They just, it's very easy. Anyway, so the, the whole reveal, this is similar to the reveal in the Justice League Retroactive last time, is that the three kids that Damien's telling the story to are Bob Kane, Bill Finger, and Jerry Robinson. And <laughs> the, me- the meta commentary in it is that Bob Kane's the idiot in the group. <laughs> really? He doesn't understand. I don't get it. And then Jerry Robinson and, and Bill Finger have to explain it to him. And then at the end, they watch the bat signal through the window of the, of the Wayne Foundation building they're in. And, and Bill Finger's character says, this gives me an idea for a story. <laughs> so the whole meta commentary is that Bob Kane didn't do anything. And it was all Bill Finger and Jerry Robinson. Now, oh, now were, they, were they named or were they no, just well, they Bob were named Bob, Bill, and Jerry. That's so awesome. it's clear. Yeah, that's awesome. And, Yay, uh, meta commentary. I'm telling you, this last month in D.C. is very entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Bob's going nuts. Bob Kane going, I don't get it. Jerry Robinson, I get it. I'll explain it to you. That's great. Very good. So so Hulk number 39 was nearly pick of the week as well. What a difference Gabe Hartman can make. So good. Uh, Not only that, I got to say at this point, really, it is a combination of of his uh, art and and Betty Breitweiser's colors. Because I just look at these pages and and that palette is just all sort of – yeah. Yeah. And then the red just stands out at you. And if you look like even at the first couple pages, Ross is, you know, the kid in the red shirt, you yeah. know, and everything else is sort of uh, desaturated. The, the, flashback much, se- the flashback scene was great. How much did you oh. love that, Josh? I mean, I loved it so much. I put it in the panels of the week yeah. column. No, because that is, website. that is a P51 Mustang. And I was yeah. like, oh, right. Oh, I saw that on the great. best of the week panel. So I clicked on the yeah. image and it, and it zoomed in and made a bigger version of it. I could see yeah. in my browser. That was very nice. Um, <laughs> He also found them by going through the tags. He found, yeah, he yeah. Tags. I look for Red Hulk in the tags, yeah. And, and um, I had actually skipped the issues before this, and I didn't Yes, I did, too. Yeah. No, me either. Because this is, so this is picking was... up the story where it left off last time Howardman was drawing it. Yeah. yeah, well, with a little bit of Black Fog stuff that has happened previously. But my favorite moment was after the flashback and then uh, Red, Hulk, Red Hulk and the, and the LMD <laughs> that he's with, they pull up to his old farm, and I turn the page, and I see Red Hulk in a trench coat. <laughs> that wasn't what I thought you were going to say, but it's that was a giant works. trench coat. Oh, it was an enormous trench coat. It was great. And look at the, the lower left hand corner when he's got his hands in the pockets. And it's like, oh, it's, great. it's like Marv. What did you I, think? How was, do you even? You can't go to a big and tall shop for you that. Can't, you can't. They don't have that at the men's warehouse. Not even Thornton Mellon's big and tall shop will have that. No, my favorite thing in the issue was when they're they're digging around in the garage and there's the barnstorming plane and they're like, hey, what's that in the corner? And the the Omega X, the the oh yeah. That Ramp Man thing is over there, and it's just like, do, 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 do. nobody look at me. And they're like, might be an old gas pump. It's not an old gas pump. It's a giant robot. It's a giant robot. Uh, you know what old gas pumps look like? They could look. There were, pump. there were. I'm gonna get. There were a little bit of. Uh, there was a little, little geographical error going on yeah. here. When the Omega X punched him the first time, they were supposed to be in New Hampshire, and then they punched him up to Bar Harbor. What, Bar Harbor, which is four hours north of there, so it's, it's not big 15 punch. miles. Yeah, but it says 15 miles southwest. Oh, that is not the right direction for Bar Harbor at all. Oh, nobody, nobody really, nobody really lives up there, so it doesn't matter. Well, Maine, for example, <laughs> is not southwest. <laughs> of Canada, it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're in New Hampshire. <laughs> that New Hampshire's New Hampshire. not in Canada. They were in Western New Hampshire. New Hampshire's not yeah. in Canada. Listen. <laughs> so, um, uh, Ultimate Fallout number six, the last issue of this uh, raping of our wallet, uh, three ninety nine. The the it ends with a full page Nick Fury crying. <laughs> I, I, uh... <laughs> Basically, Nick Fury comes to see Mary Jane, and Mary Jane's written a whole book about how the world killed Spider Man. And Nick Fury basically says, "You know, you blame me, and you're absolutely right." One tear. Uh, and then yeah, somebody was yeah. littering outside at the same time. Exactly. So that's. But, was there anybody who didn't cry in this series? I don't know, but um, Aunt May and Gwen skipped town and they moved to France. Tony Stark sends them to France. So that gets them out of the Ultimate Spider-Man book. Exactly, you, and then Ki- and then you see Kitty and Bobby and Johnny Storm. Kitty takes them to where she's been living, which are the Morlock tunnels. So that sets up the X-Men, um, and then you get more. Um, you get uh, Nick Fury basically being told that uh, his budget's been cut uh, sp- <laughs> and that Captain America quit. 
it all comes down to budget. I'm so glad I dropped this series in the th- after the third issue. I'm feeling all right with it. Over at Image Comics, they've been releasing these series of one shots, these Deadlands. I'm not really sure how many there've been. Has there been more than two? Yes, there. Either way, a couple. Yeah. It's been a couple. And the, the, this It's actually split up. There's sort of a main feature and then a shorter one after it. And the main feature was Ron Mars writing and Bart Sears drawing. And this was great. If it wasn't for the fact that I wasn't at all interested in the backup feature, the main feature I thought was a really fun little one-shot sort of horror western book. And it was just this fully realized little world and you didn't know what was going on and then you find out at the end and it was you know sort of a, a pod people kind of story in the Old West with lots of shooting. It looked fantastic. Just a couple of creators having a lot of fun with with a sort of Mark weird Sears was great. story. It's it is it's a really good stuff. I used, to just, love, I used to love him. He was great. It just it just uh, it reeks of of a couple of creators just just having a great time. You know you know and that that sort of happens in a comic book. This would have been my pick pick of the week probably uh, for that story at least. And then finally over in Hellblazer two eighty two, Simon Bisley is a is a character that I mean a writer he's artist. He's not a Who character. He's a person. It's, Oh, he's a character. Uh, he's a he's an artist who's been around for a long time and very highly acclaimed. You know, it wasn't exactly my thing, but I'm really getting to appreciate him when he does uh, interior arcs on Hellblazer. And this was just him being really super creepy. And there was a bunch of times in this issue that I just was like, man, that guy's, he's really good. Which is no surprise to anybody who's been a Simon Bisley fan for a really long time. Yes. But, you know, we're, we're still, it, it's hard to say much about the story that I haven't because it's just been one really long, good arc. And this John Constantine's definitely not the one who's going to be in the DCU. It just he's, he's not. He's he's way too grizzled and old. He's and, not. They, just, they said that. They, they, yeah, no, I know. And I, I'm just I'm really interested to see how they're how the same writer how he's going to do it differently, if at all, or, or what what the deal is. But great issue, beautiful art, just worth flipping through in the store at the very least. So those are the books that came out. And if you go to the new iFanboy.com and in the upper and – and there's a red bar, the navigation we like to call it. Um, there's a <laughs> section called comics. You click that and that will take you to iFanboy.com slash comics where there's the whole list of comic books that will get to be a, a, uh, a near-perfect list with no bugs eventually. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll talk there. I'll talk about that later in the show. You're not but, even going to remember this. Exactly. But, yeah, what, look at DC. Look over there. Look what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but if you go to ifanboy.com slash comics, you can see all the comics that are – hypothetically, all the comics that are shipping every week, and you can do your pull list, and you can rate and review your books and set your pick of the week. And, Connor, why don't you tell us about what this week looked like in the week of the pick of the week. This week's top five pick of the weeks. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Uh, coming up at number five was <laughs> X-Men Schism number three with 2.3%. percent Number percent. four was Jer- Journey into Mystery number 623 with 3.2%. 626. 626. Whatever. I like how you sound like a Muppet newsreader. <laughs> number three was Samurai's Blood number three with 5% from Image Comics. Surprising. Number two, Power Girl number 27 with 13.7%. And number one was Daredevil number two with 61.8%. All right, so the, the, the community has spoken. Daredevil was the community pick of the week, which I, I don't blame them. I could, I could easily have seen that if The Outsider hadn't come out. Another landslide. <laughs> a lot of them lately. So uh, highlight some reviews. Our first review comes from Midwinter, who reviewed Legion of Superheroes number 16, gave the story a 3 out of 5 and the art a 3 out of 5, and 0.1% <laughs> of you made it your pick of the week this week. And I love this DC last issue shit. It's awesome. Um, but Midwinter says, I get the feeling, however, that, w- that what Levitz, the writer, had planned, especially the subplot invo- involving the Green Lanterns, was uh, intended to develop more slowly and extend into a longer story arc. Perhaps it will play out in a forthcoming reboot. It just felt a little too clipped and sadly predictable at the end. Overall, if you're a Legion fan, you'll enjoy this and be looking forward to two Legion of Superheroes titles starting next month. Is there a property at Marvel or DC that flies more under our radar than the Legion of Superheroes series? No. <laughs> it's just... I mean, nope. at Marvel, I mean, well, it's probably our, I mean, at Marvel, it's, uh, the, it's, uh, the next book we're going to talk about is, is flying under our radar, but everybody seems yeah, to be Yeah, but we're it. aware of it. Like, yeah, I can't remember yeah. a time we've ever brought that up. Yeah, no, I didn't even know Legion of Superheroes we're, was still a comic, to be honest. We used to talk about the Legion when they were in action, but not on their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not well. Yeah. Well, well no, we're going to be talking about them next month, Ron. Yes, we are. I'm excited. All right. <laughs> Jay Dudley writes in to talk about Journey of Mystery number something. Is it six? Six twenty six. Six twenty six. Six twenty six. There's your give, this, give the story a five out of five and give the art a four out of five. And the pick of the week percentage was a, a rousing three point two percent. And he says, trying to explain this series to people who haven't read it yet is like it was back in the day. A- <laughs> attempting to explain how awesome Terminator Two 
The Matrix, The Dark Knight, and Spider-Man 2 are the friends who were still reluctant to drag themselves into a movie theater to check them out. Everybody saw those movies. Seriously, <laughs> people, seriously, people, just read Journey into Mystery. I'm tired of trying to explain how awesome it is. Really, those are huge blockbuster movies. <laughs> <laughs> My mother went to see those. I mean, I, you know what? I'm sorry. It's a bad metaphor. <laughs> Jay Dudley. But, but maybe, maybe the station agent would I'll, be a better one. <laughs> that was a good movie. That was a good movie. It was a good movie. Yeah. Rain of Fire but, is a perfect <laughs> example. Exactly. Yeah. But everybody seems to love Journey into Mystery. <laughs> I'm not reading it. I feel bad. I feel like I need to go check it out. I know. I kind of. I kind of do. I had a bad taste in my mouth from it before. That's yeah, I know, why. Yeah, but apparently Gillen's been like killing it on that. All okay. right. So go to ifanboy.com/slash/comics where you can do your pull list and rate and review, and maybe you get on the show next week. Like it's like one of those bands that nobody knows, like Aerosmith. <laughs> I don't want to. Eli miss, Josh, says, I, don't miss a thing, I was just Josh. browsing through Marvel's comic database, and I stumbled upon the Infinity Gauntlet articles, which I regrettably haven't read, and I have, might not ask a question if I did. If you just had the red power infinity jam, the site says it would give you access to all forms of energy that have or will exist and can also grant you any physical superhuman ability. So I guess I have two questions. Number one, does physical mean just strength, boosting, and invulnerability or actually give you any power, i.e. energy manipulation, flying, invisibility, etc.? And number two, wouldn't that make the other infinity gems obsolete? Because in theory, you could have just give yourself the powers of time, psionic powers, reality warping, teleportation. I think those power, the powers of the infinity gems in a nutshell. Or would they just be on a smaller scale? I know this is a total nerd question. I just found myself pondering it, and I thought I'd ask the people I know of that know the most about comics. Oof. Uh-oh. Tough one. We're the, we're the people who know the most about comics. So First of all, I can, I can throw in a plug. Yeah. Uh, all those Infinity Gauntlet comics are on Graphically. Yes, and you should read them there. So you go check them yeah. out there if you want to read them. They're very good. So We did a show on them at some George point. George Perez. It's great, yeah. It's, well, George Perez and Ron Lim. Yeah, I don't, like yeah, yeah. I don't like to think about that part. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so can you name the gems? No. <laughs> there's five of them? <laughs> there are six of them. There's six? There's only five fingers? Really? No, but well, there's one, one, the one, one in the middle. middle. Red's in the middle. Yeah. On, the, on, the, on the back so, of the so hand. So basically, so six, Power, so time. six is the soul gem. Oh, no, so green is the soul gem is green. And that the the green gem, this one it's sentient and has a hunger for. I'm reading this by the way. Has a hunger oh, of souls. I was I was really <laughs> impressed. So it has a hunger for souls. Allows the user to steal, control, manipulate, alter souls, living or dead. And the gem is a gateway to an idyllic pocket universe. So that's the soul gem. Just go there. Uh, the time gem is orange and allows the user total control over the past, present, and future. Allows time travel, can age and de-age beings, and can be used as a weapon by trapping enemies or entire worlds in unending loops of time. That's always fun. Purple allows the user to exist in any location or all locations, move any object anywhere throughout the universe, and warp and rearrange space. That's purple space. Uh, the, the mind gem is blue, allows the user to greatly strengthen and enhance mental and psionic power and access the thoughts and dreams of others. Okay. Um, reality is the yellow gem. The reality gem allows the user to fulfill wishes, even if the wish is in direct contradiction with scientific laws. Nice. <laughs> and then finally, the power gem, which is red, which accesses all power and energy that has ever has or will exist and can back the other gems and boost their effects and allows the user to duplicate almost any physical superhuman ability and become invincible. The, 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 the point mm. being is that the real only weakness of the gems is that they don't stop the user from being a douchebag. Right, true, right. exactly. Which is basically what Infinity, the Infinity Gauntlet's about. Yeah, and so the thing is, the thing is that with any of those gems, you can fuck shit up, but with all of them together, then it's like you're, you, know, it's, you have the power of infinity. I think your question about the red gem, it helps the other gems, but it allows the user to duplicate almost any physical superhuman ability. So he can't, it can't give you the, the power of the mind gem. It can give you, it just makes you stronger, can let you fly, that sort of thing. These are comic book laws. What I found is right. gems because yeah. they're all so super powerful, you wouldn't need the other ones. You well, just... It's like it's like anything. When you start thinking about like Superman or the Flash, all of a sudden you go, Well, who could beat him? No one could beat him. Yeah, exactly. What I thought was really interesting was that uh, there are two other gems. <laughs> Which I'd love to sit here and listen to you read about them. One one of them was revealed in the superhero squad universe in the cartoon. Oh and, and it's the rhythm gem. Nice. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Is that the one with the cartoon about the rock girl rock band? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> Apparently, it was a ploy made by Loki, so it's not actually real. Uh, anyway. But everyone um, dances really well in Marvel. I universe. love the Infinity Gems. I love that they're out there and stuff. And also on Wikipedia, they also say who the current owners of them are, who holds them. So, Doctor Strange has the Soul Gem. Steve Rogers has the Time Gem. Iron Man has the for the Space Gem. Xavier the Mind. Mister Fantastic has Reality, and Namor has the Power Gem. 
Oh, they hit them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so email contact.fanboy.com with your geeky questions about the Affinity Gems because they're awesome. All right. <laughs> so on to the voicemail. Uh, our first voicemail is from a familiar voice who's got a question about style. Hey, this is Jeff from Texas again. Uh, I was thinking about the, the Wonder Woman thing, and that got me thinking, like, you know, women generally show a lot more skin in their costumes in comic books than men. Men are always wearing, like, long pants, boots, you know, long sleeves, and people think it's sexist, but it's not really because, you know, as far as fashion goes, a lot of women's outfits, I mean, they're cropped, you know, where their midriff is showing and that kind of thing, you know, and they, they wear short shorts. And, and, and guys don't really dress like that at all. So it's just a reflection on how we dress. You know, like, I mean, if, if fashion were different, then maybe Superman's costume would look more like Supergirl's, but it's not, you know. Girls like short skirts. Girls wear them all the time. You know, I'm not saying they would fight crime in them, but I'm just saying like that's that's sort of the image in our head. You know, that's that's w- what we think of. It, it, if something looks more feminine, then, then then more it's you know more flattering to the female form. I don't know. All right. I don't. I don't know if we should be talking about this. <laughs> this, is, this is a mind. No, <laughs> there's no way we're getting out of this one unscathed. <laughs> And uh, you heard that was just one guy trying to figure it out. <laughs> and if we start, uh, there's just so much wrong in what his voice said in his voice. <laughs> <out there. laughs> it's all layered with gender and social politics. Well, he also he also answered it himself. He said, "Well, yeah, they wouldn't fight crime in it. Well, then that, that's that's the whole that's well, that's what they're doing. There you go. They're fighting crime in those clothes. So listen, man, midriffs are like soul- in Connor. That's it. I just think you need you know like short skirts and midriffs. That's the fashion. It, it is it is sexist, and the you don't see female soldiers running off the battle in in shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> they wear the same uniform that men do. <laughs> I saw one in heels once, but I think she was off duty. Uh, oh man. It was like a USO thing. I don't. I don't know. Our next voicemail's got a question about us. Hi, Ronner, Connor, and Josh. This is Mike from Houston, Texas, and I was wondering, which one of you guys do you think would be the best fit for some reality TV show? I mean, wouldn't it be a great marketing thing where you can have someone like Connor go on to like The Bachelor and just blow everybody away by taking home the hottie? It'd be great. Love your show. Hope you have a good one. Bye. <laughs> no offense, but uh, you know who? Hey, who's that guy in the pool on the next to the pool on the Bachelor who's uh, won't take his shirt off? I mean, they're they're a <laughs> bunch of sexy men, is what I'm saying, and we just don't have time to work out that much. I'm not gonna pull a Bentley and go on the Bachelor and do, just do it to promote my business either. <laughs> wow, I don't even know what you're talking. I, I, about. I, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get that reference, and I'm glad. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm also not needy and, and insecure enough to be on that show. Oh, yeah, I, and I, yeah, I feel I feel as if our, our marketing efforts are better served elsewhere. Um, unless, that, unless unless Ron can get on Bat Big Brother, then he would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, and, exactly. I would jump at it. <laughs> can I? Can I? Can I? If I could break, there's a there's a I've worked in reality TV, and there's a personality type who goes on reality TV. Yep. It, when none of us are it. Yeah. Uh, I can I can t- I can tell you right now I could try out for any reality TV in the world. And they're never going to take the self-aware, sarcastic guy. <laughs> that, that guy. That guy makes shitty reality TV. It's about the guy who who has no self-awareness of themselves and is just completely like, you know, everything is is what you what you get with him. You know, like there's no subtext. And those are the people who make great reality TV. And that ain't us. Well, I just like the idea of somebody sitting in Texas wondering, going, I wonder why why aren't they on reality television? <laughs> Would you go on like like you you love like the Amazing Race or something like that? I would totally do that show. Yeah, yeah, I would do that right. show. Yeah, I'm a good. That's like one. actually kind of a good one. Yeah, well, one but, it wins uh, the Emmy every year. Yeah, yeah. I've seen I, I've seen enough to know that you can't win, even if you think you can win. Like, you can't, yeah, no. Well, no. as we're seeing on Big Brother this summer, uh, there's uh, one of the dudes is a huge fan and he's just blowing it. Yeah. Like knows like all this trivia about the thing and knows what to do and cannot play the game for his life. I feel bad. You really have to have a, a level of obliviousness yeah. to play games like that. Yep. Like a like a like a like a Richard Hatch. You know, like he's a savant because he just he's way well, the too. Problem, the problem is the great reality game show people and the mm-hmm. great winners like the Richard Hatches and the Doctor Wills and stuff like that. It only happens once. Yeah. And once it's happened, everyone that's the barometer everyone's trying to go to. And now we're completely uh, down a tangent. And it's, it's media culture. And like, yeah, and quite, and quite honestly, like I keep watching Big Brother, hoping that somebody will repeat or exceed what Doctor Will did, and and the only person to do that was Doctor Will. So anyway, 
All right, enough about reality television. So call 188-FANBOYS at 326-2697. Keep it under a minute. Let us know who you are, where you're from, and we'll answer any of your questions except the ones about reality television and fashion. We might. Probably we will, yeah. Definitely those. So if you've been around iFanboy this week, you this past week, you know we launched the new version of iFanboy. It's iFanboy 4.0. Woo! Think it's 4.0. 4.0. Um, it is the four, fourth version. Yes. So if you have come to the site every day, you'll see you'll see it looks different. Got a whole new coat of paint. It looks a new new front page. Everything looks different. It's a new engine. If you were there in the beginning. You know there was a, there was a bunch of bugs on Monday, but we scraped most of those out. The server so, is stable. It is it works well. Yeah, the, a whole bunch of and part of it we you know and I and we were if you go to iFanboy.com on the new iFanboy.com website, you'll see the the gray bar of buzzables. Which is um, which are the which are the the articles that that we find have a strong buzz quotient um, in in terms of things that you should look at you look out for. And one of those posts was about the new site, and we were getting a lot of feedback from people on the site. We really appreciate that. A lot of comments, a lot of criticism. You know, uh, putting us out where bugs are, and I, and tried to explain it on, in that post as well as in the comics, but comments. But I want everyone to understand that this was a big migration because what we did was, as you've known over the past couple of months, we've the site's gone down. Uh, for here, from time to time, uh, mainly because we were on a very, very small server, and there are lots of you, and all hitting the site, and so that turn, tends to be problems. So what we've done is we moved the entire site. We've, we're like the Jeffersons; we're moving on up. Ooh, we're on a uh, de- deluxe. Apartment. We're on the east side. We're on the east side. Uh, we're on a deluxe apartment on the east side. So we've, we've got a much more robust, load balanced uh, server scenario. So um, if we get a, lot, a spike in traffic, we can deal with it a lot better. We've also improved uh, the back end of how the site runs behind the scenes. You, the user, uh-huh. don't really see that, but as you hear Josh <laughs> moaning, um, you, yeah. you'll know. You'll notice it in the tone of yeah. the posts. Yeah. They'll be longer. They'll be more upbeat. And as well as we got a new, can- a fresh coat of paint and that sort of thing. Now that said, like Connor mentioned, there were some bugs. There's some things we've been we've been working on this when did we start in april yeah yeah we work on this for for a good you know four or five months and you test and you test and you test and ultimately sometimes shit you don't know how shit's gonna do until it's out there and people are using it and that's just what happens but we want to thank everybody for their patience and for helping us out point out a lot of bugs a lot of you users have pointed out uh, tweaks and changes that we can make and we've made them based on your feedback so we really appreciate that keep that coming but we're, we're honestly weekend i think we're looking pretty good we're gonna be rolling out some more tweaks and bug fixes as it goes but it's it's a, it's a process so yeah. it's not gonna happen overnight yep uh, but we we're pretty happy with it we like it we're pretty excited it's a good next step for us if you go back if you've been around for years you'll see the, the progression of the site and uh, I think it's a nice next step site for us. So I'm pretty happy. We've done well. So good. So thank you to everybody for your patience and for your suggestions and, and all that stuff and for using the site. Traffic is up this 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 week. I mean, like a lot more of you are coming back more often and you're participating, which is awesome. And I'm sure all users who use iFanboy.com are loving the new comments. The comments are a lot more cleaned up and they're just going to get better. It's funny because they really just got used to the old bugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, and there were a lot of them yeah. until recently. Yep. So, you know, grain of salt. So now that the new site is out, iFanboy Don't Miss His Hiatus has come to an end. And this Monday, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Sunday, but on Monday of this week, I spoke to Jonathan Hickman about Ultimates Number 1, the new series that is launching this Wednesday. And he's launching the new Ultimates version. I, I thought it was called Ultimate Comics Ultimates. I think I'm just calling it Ultimates Number 1. But I think you yeah. should call it Ultimate Comics Ultimates. Ultimate Comics Ultimate Number 1 Ultimate Style oh, Ultimate know. Edition. It was great to talk to Jonathan and hear what he's doing with the series. So go to ifanboy.com. Right on the left side, you can see all the podcasts. Go check out Don't Miss. Or you can go to, or you can go to iTunes and subscribe to it and listen to it and don't miss an episode. You can check out ifanboy.com. I think we may have, may have mentioned it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just a little little thing we do. It's a little thing we do. Seriously, if you've ever not done it and you're thinking about it, could you please do it now? Because we worked uh, on that a lot. Uh, I found out a comp where you can read uh, Ron's Pick of the Week review, and you can read my Book of the Month review, and all the other stuff that goes up there on a a very regular daily basis. Great weekly sketch-up this week, if I might say so myself. And all sorts of stuff. There's all sorts of really varied and diverse content. For those of you who love comic books, uh, you can can, uh, hear John Sundress's Word Balloon podcast there, as well as several of the stuff we have and get get all our videos and all that stuff is at ifanboy.com you should go there does ifanboy.com slash about that's still the correct address it's about uh, slash about dash us yeah so let's just say you click on that part in the nav bar yeah. Uh, if you want to know more about us and the social network links are actually right there on the front page, which is helpful. Uh, but you can get more specific ones if you go in to see all about us. Yep. There's also the video show, and I'm done with San Diego. <laughs> it was, oh, it was, a, it was a good year, I think, honestly. And we had really, I, I got to say, I was really proud of the interviews that we did this week. We talked the year. We talked to people that we hadn't talked to before, and talked to some that we had, but it was a lot of really interesting conversations and, and stuff. And uh, 
I felt like we, we met a lot of people who we hadn't known before, and, and that was very cool, and a lot of, a lot of variants uh, in the whole thing. And then uh, next week, we're talking about the JSA yep. and what they mean and Ooh. where they go, or exactly. It's not going to matter. Yep. Just, Justice Society. Well, it's, com- it's coming out at the right time, that's for sure. So. There you go. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> And you can, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or you can leave a voicemail oh. at 188-FANBOYS. It's 188-326-2697. Any questions, comments, or feedback or anything like that. And finally, if you like the show, write a review on iTunes. It's for this show, for the Don't Miss show, for the video show, for all the shows. It really helps people find it if they're looking for comic book shows. And if you like it, you should want more people to watch or listen. So help, write a review. It really helps us out, and it only takes you a minute. Thank you. Yes. Ah. <sighs> It's been a, it's, we, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna sleep this weekend a lot. It's, it's been a long week. So, all right. So until next week, I'm Ron. It's Miller time. Oh.